Big Fluff. I really blew it. I'm really, really sorry. You think you can let me make it up to you? Like how? More like uh, letting me do something special, just for you. Like uh, if there's something really important you've been wanting for Christmas. Hmm? Uh, don't worry. I got it covered. I wrote Santa. Ah, but Santa gets very busy this time of the year. Sometimes he even has to ask moms and dads to help out a little bit. Nah, it's not that important. Tell me, what do you want? I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the boomerang suitor, and the rock and roar jetpack, and the realistic voice activator that says five different phrases, including, it's Turbo Time! Accessories sold separately, batteries not included. <laughs> everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings and it's the month of december and there is a big consumer driven holiday coming up towards the end of this month and thus we are going to watch a consumer driven movie this week we're going to jingle all the way home folks <laughs> Yeah, jingle all the way. It's wild. You're like, I don't know. I feel like November flew by. I don't even remember Thanksgiving. Like, it was such a blur. Such a blur. Like, yeah. it's, like it's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah, it feels like it hasn't happened yet, but here we are in December, and that's wild. I don't know yeah, how Yeah, like, happened. time is meaningless in it is, 2021. It's a, some have said it's a flat circle. I don't know if some. that's true. Yeah. Men wiser than me. Yeah. Which I think is all right, all right, all right, but I don't know if I believe it. And you'd be much cooler if you did. <laughs> you know what's wild about movies like Jingle All the Way, which came out in 1996? We keep getting older, but it stays the same age. It'd be Interstellar. Great. This would be <laughs> this would be great if we were talking about a McConaughey movie, but we're not. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I yeah, I don't I don't know. He's always on my mind. I think that's yeah, why. I, like, I'm always thinking of the the McConaughey. But yeah, so. Yeah, Jingle All the Way, 19... Maybe it's because he's talking about running for governor of Texas. Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of California. There's connections. I see it. Yeah, and time is a flat circle because Arnold won because of a recall election. We had a recall election here in California this year. Like, it, it yeah, it all comes back around. It's like, yeah. you know, parachute pants. Like, they're out one minute. It's and like the... boomerang shooters out of Turbo Man's wrists. That, too. Yeah, so Jingle All the Way, 1996 comedy starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think you or I could describe the plot, but I actually think it would be better if Arnold Schwarzenegger teed this up for us. Let's do it. Let's thank you, Arnold, for coming on the show. What they can expect from Jingle All the Way is a hilarious movie, a movie where they will be able to laugh from the beginning to the end. It will be great entertainment. They will walk out of the theater and say, I'm so angry that I can't get another ticket right away because I want to see it a second time. And there's a long line here. Yeah, so it was the movie where all the children were so angry because they went to see it. Right, <laughs> and they, and they wanted couldn't to see, see it, it again. again. Yeah, because there was a long line. Uh, no, that was... 
There's a clip I remember uh, thanks to uh, Don and Mike, who were, uh, you know, local broadcasters that I grew up listening to. They always used to play that. And that always is in my mind. Uh, That's Arnold Schwarzenegger from the making of Jingle All the Way, hyping the movie up. Uh, Yeah. But but yeah, he was very optimistic about how this movie. And no lies detected. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you could say they're true lies, I think. Now we're back on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe if you went commando, <laughs> that didn't work. I'm no, gonna keep ma- trying though. Made you sound like a predator. Made you sound like a predator too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This bit is good, but let's terminate her and get back on. <laughs> okay. Because the bit's anyways, on- jingle yeah. all the way, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sinbad making his second appearance in as many, almost as many months. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was in Good yeah, Burger. Yeah, second, because he was in uh, Good Burger at the beginning of November. Yeah. Home of the Good and, Burger. Uh, so, yeah. So, second time in as many months, Sinbad making an appearance on the pod. Uh, and then. But I will say the difference between that, that Sinbad role and this Sinbad role is this Sinbad character deserves everything that happens to him. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is, that is very true. Uh, we have the second appearance of Jake Lloyd. Yes. From the very first episode to the most recent episode. Yes. Yeah. Because this, this podcast was launched. Uh, we, we launched it in May of last year and we did all the Star Wars prequels. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, Phil Hartman. Bless him. Has he, he, I don't think he's been on the podcast. I don't think he's been on. No, this is, uh, yeah. this is, I mean, he didn't make a ton of movies either. That's true. But yeah, it's. I don't think Arnold's been on. I don't think we've done it. No, wait, 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 wait. Because we did Batman Batman and Robin. Robin, So, yeah, he definitely. Second appearance for Arnold. Yeah. Wilson, I believe, making her debut appearance. Yeah. I'm sure Danny Woodburn's been on a few times. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Watchmen. He was in Watchmen. Right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So we got a Danny Woodburn. Big show making his first appearance. Not his last, though. I'm sure that's. I'm sure not his last. Um. (laughs) Okay, so Curtis Armstrong making his first appearance, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, so you this movie very nineties. I mean, Chris Christopher Columbus, not the guy who discovered America, but the uh, the the guy who made movies, the one who actually was consequential to history. Yes, uh, the one who does not have his own controversial day <laughs> to celebrate uh, what he did yet, uh, but. Has anyone ever pitched that? I mean, uh, like they do Indigenous Peoples Day, which is way better. But like for the people who just can't let go of Christopher Columbus Day, like, is it possible to just pivot to the Christopher Columbus? Just who made beloved home- child filmmaker. Yeah. The one who made Children's Home Alone. Maker Chris Columbus. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy. <laughs> and I mean, he owns it because his production company is called 1492. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So he produced this movie and this is very 90s. Yeah. So like. Typical of, you know, a certain genre of Christmas movie, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger's playing business dad, you know, who right. this one who, you know, 364 days a year cannot be bothered to see his child, but then has to realize when Christmas rolls around, like his priorities uh, that he he's neglected his kid. And so in this case, you know, he's supposed to go to his son's karate tournament. Uh, He's too busy selling mattresses. That's his job. 
Uh, and so he uh, gets caught up in, in the mattress selling. He leaves too late. He shows up to catch the janitor sweeping up from the karate tournament. Then goes home. Kid's mad. If from you heard from the cliff over the top, wants to make it up to him. And the kid's like, the only thing I want is this Turbo Man doll. And the funny thing is, a lot of the stuff I was reading... So the the idea the movie was kind of based on like the Cabbage Patch doll craze, but the year that it came out, nineteen ninety six, it just coincidentally was the year of Tickle Me Elmo. So it actually, which was like, a phenomenon. Yeah, if, if you're if you're young and you're listening to this, uh, yeah, that was that was huge. The Tickle if you didn't have a Tickle Me Elmo in nineteen ninety six, you weren't anybody. You were either fourteen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or a loser. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> I was both. Well, I was 15, so I was doubly both. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the, the pitch. Dad's going to redeem a lifetime of letting down Jake Lloyd by getting him the hottest toy. But it's the hottest toy. How are you going to get it? Uh, through some hilarious hijinks. And then Sinbad plays... Uh, in Myron, un, in, an unhinged person who just a lunatic who claims that he has a child, but I'm not convinced that he does. I think he yeah, might I don't just, know that that's real. I think he might just be an agent of chaos who exists. Uh, he's he's the original Joker. Like he yes. just wants to watch the world burn, I think. Also, Phil Hartman is in the movie trying to cuck Arnold Schwarzenegger. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm just I'm describing the plot of Jingle All the Way. I, how I imagine it was pitched to 20th Century Fox when. Oh, I, were you in the room? Because that sounds dead on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he like legit. I guess he's a single dad. Phil Harmon, he lives next door. Yes, he's a divorced dad. He's a divorced dad. And he just he is clearly like sleeping with all of the women. In the neighborhood, because all these women come up to him at the karate tournament, but he he has his eyes set on on Rita Wilson. The forbidden fruit tastes the sweetest. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so so that's the plot. And then, you know, hijinks. Yeah, wackiness ensues. And eventually the day is saved. The kid gets the toy. The dad gets a actual super suit. <laughs> yeah. And. um. Yeah. I want to start here just because I don't think it is a value judgment of the movie. Uh, but when did they just start ignoring Arnold's accent and not coming up with a story for why he had such a thick Austrian accent? When did that start? That was I mean, that's a, a thing that like it's really funny. I forget. There's like there's a movie that I remember Lars and I talked about on Hobo Radio. There's one of his movies. He plays a Canadian character named Gordy Brewer. I remember like like at some point they just gave up like for sure. But yeah, like so that that kind of that was pretty early. I think like they just I don't really think they wrote it into that many roles, to be honest. I think like, kindergarten cop. They explained it away. Oh, did they? OK, yeah, they did. They definitely I definitely remember them talking about it, like like growing up in Austria. My father was a teacher. My oh. mother was a teacher. Did they explain it in twins. That's the one I'd be curious about. Yeah, because he was he was raised on that island. Oh, um, okay. That was by like German scientists. Okay, all right. Um, they didn't in Predator. No, 
But I mean, or commando. But I, I don't think it mattered for those. I was gonna say in a lot of those, I don't think it mattered. Um, yeah, I yeah, it's a it's a strange thing. I mean, I it, that's I think that's just you just have to accept that in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, I I, I'm, I'm, I was just wondering if we could pinpoint when they just stopped acknowledging it. I think it was post Conan. O'Brien? <laughs> yeah, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> um, it was probably post Kindergarten Cop, in all honesty. That's it probably, probably was. That was probably bothered. the last time anyone cared enough to They bothered up. to put any effort into <laughs> because, why, this look, ins- why this mattress salesman in Minneapolis, Minnesota talks with a thick Austrian accent. Because, look, we'll never talk about Kindergarten Cop on this, this oh, show. Oh, God, be- no. Because that, show, that movie flawless. is great and it might, beloved. I, like, a spicy take? I think it's the best movie that Arnold ever did. I love Predator. Predator is really great. Terminator is great. Term- I don't know. Ter- it- NT2 is great. But I mean, Kindergarten Cop, come on. Kindergarten Cop is, it's definitely the best comedy he ever did. Yeah. It's not a Tuma. And I love Twins. Don't get me wrong. Oh, Twins is great. But yeah, it's not a Tuma. That's like <laughs> classic. Who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> no, I just, yeah, I, it's, I think it's, you know what it is? It's the most I've ever like just loved Arnold in something. I think it's. You no, know, that. Like Kindergarten Cop, it's heartwarming. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I think he's probably been in better movies, but that's the movie where you're like, that's why this guy's a movie star. Like he is so charming well, in this. He, he acted in the movie too, which he yeah. was just like, where like, I love Predator. I love Terminator. Like he's just there to be big and awesome. That's and he what I, nails yeah. it. That's exactly that's that's what I'm trying to get at. I think it's the best movie if you wanted to really explain. The phenomenon, like if if an alien species came to Earth and their only questions were about Arnold, which I would understand. Uh, totally. Yeah. Then yeah, they were like, oh, we want to get this phenomenon. We want to understand uh, because we've <laughs> we, we came here because we heard of Planet Hollywood. We they, like that was where we thought we were showing up and we want to know who this Arnold Schwarzenegger is. I'd show them Kindergarten Cup because, uh, yeah, I mean. It pokes fun at his action movie star with the opening act, yeah. the opening reel. I mean. Yeah, like it's it's both a celebration of his strengths and kind of a lampooning of his persona. And Arnold is a very charismatic and funny. Oh, unbelievable! Actor. He's such a great yeah. movie star. Yeah, he really is. And and so all of that prefaced. I'll say this: maybe this is a place that we can get into this movie. I I question the wisdom of casting him in this role. Uh, I mean, I understand the wisdom of casting him in the role because he was super famous and a big movie star. From a monetary aspect, I get any time he was cast between 1992 and 2002. Yeah, so like financially, I understand it. But I don't know that this is a good role for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I, I think that's part of what hit me with like maybe why this movie is maligned. Because, again, you're doing the classic business dad, you know, who who's not around for his kid. And then the end of this movie, spoilers, I guess, for for uh, the, the we can end. stop saying spoilers on this podcast. I'm going to continue to say it. Spo- you're, okay, a better, you're a better man than I, despite your hatred of the mentally disabled. Spoilers for every future podcast. We're going to spoil stuff. Yep. So there we go. There, Nailed it. We're done. Uh, OK, so. Um, the the idea is like business dad who who's not around and then in the end he he must become turbo man yeah he dumb lucks his way into a turbo man costume for the uh wintertainment parade yes and 
the thing is, like, the, then the payoff is like, then he's able to like, he does all this. He he picks his kid as the kid who's going to win a Turbo Man in the parade, which is nepotism and is really messed <sighs> that up. That is to all those some other kids. shady shit, right there. Yeah, like that. I if I was one of those other parents, I'd be furious. Uh, like, but, wait a minute. The Austrian Turbo Man picked the Austrian kid. Well, and then took his, but so he, the thing is that he gives the toy to the kid, a bunch of hijinks involving Sinbad and Sue, and then ultimately the kid is like, oh, this was so great. I just wish my dad was here. And he's like, he pulls the helmet off and he's like, I'm governor. Yeah, yeah, he's (laughs) exactly just like, did Arnold come in again? Yeah, he was here. He just left again. Uh, But uh, yeah, he, so he big reveal. He's like, you know, I'm Maximus Decimus Meridius, uh, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son, and I will have my revenge. Did you start this. watching a different movie at oh, the end oh, of this? Oh, sorry. I just, anytime anyone takes a helmet off and like does a big reveal, I just assume it's that scene from Gladiator. But uh, yeah, so he's like, I, I'm, your so- I'm your father, which is weird. I'm it's your daddy ju- and here's what I do. <laughs> Would have been great if you said that. It's also funny because it's a reveal to Jake Lloyd about uh, who his father is. Which uh, Jake Lloyd would go on to play Anakin Skywalker. So that's weird. Who didn't know who his father was. Who didn't know who his father was and who then later pulled that same move to Luke. Took Both. his helmet off and said. But said, I'm going to die. Look at my weird potato head. sunset. He's like, look at my and the weird cats head. in the cradle and the mm-hmm. silver spoon. Yeah. Little boy. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So. But all that to say, like, and then the. So Jake Lloyd is like. I don't even need the toy anymore because now my dad is an action hero. I feel like all of that would have worked better with a man who isn't a godlike bodybuilder. Carved out of granite the way Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, like it's just, you know what I mean? Like he always looked like that. And the thing is, like even Rita Wilson at the end is like, ooh, oh my God. It's like, he that's what he looks like. He doesn't look different. He's just wearing red. That is your husband. Yeah, it's kind of like which another movie that I love, but I always found True Lies really hilarious because like the idea is that Arnold is like is a nebbishy salesperson insurance yeah, claims adjuster in this like sad marriage because his wife can't get turned on looking at him because he's so pathetic until it's like, wait a second. He's My Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. Yeah, like, but yeah, so it's like I do think this is an example where I think this script would have worked better with, you know, I don't know. Steve Martin. I don't know. Chris said, Pratt. Chris Chris Pratt. I mean, yeah, why not get in Mario? 96. Why not get Mario slash Garfield in there? Yeah. Marfield. Yeah. But like, or you know who's in this movie who could have done it? Chris Parnell. <laughs> but like he someone does make like, a cameo appearance. Yes. I, I actually think if uh if IMDB is to be trusted, this is his first movie role. I would buy that. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's like one of the sales clerk that's like, you want a turbo man? Ha 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 ha. How about you get a booster? Yeah. And then Arnold grabs him. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like someone like that or someone that's more known for being like a a slick. I'm trying to think in the 90s who would have been like a slick businessman dad who would have been the right. Even someone that like. Could pull off looking like a superhero. After the fact. Right. With a reveal. But it has to be a reveal. I mean, this is like he doesn't he's not significantly different. He's wearing a suit like a business suit. And then he changes into a superhero suit. But this is like 
Clark Kent glasses level difference. Right. Yeah. So I think like, I don't think that's the only problem with the movie, but I do think that that's, I think that is a problem with, I think that's a problem with the movie that like it all hinges upon this final idea that like, Oh my God, my dad is a real superhero, but it's like, he always was that. Your dad was always strong enough to punch out a reindeer. Yeah. I'll say on the flip side of that, so again, we get this scene where you were introduced to Arnold, and it, I'll say in a scene that I liked where he's, we were introduced to his, his world, he's in his office, and he's making all these calls, and he's like, oh, like, it's all these people, he sells mattresses, and they all want custom, something custom, you know, they want to change the fabric, they want to whatever, and every single time, he's like, I can do it for you. You're my favorite customer. And then you're my number one customer. Yeah, you're my number one customer. Then he goes to the next person, whatever they want. You're my number one customer. And then Rita Wilson, his wife, calls and she's like, Don't forget our son's karate tournament. He's like, I'll be there. Don't worry. You're my number one customer. Like I was like, solid bit. Like I like that. That's that's that is a good character building establishing joke. Yeah. For sure. And here's the thing, like kind of on the, the flip side of the ending though. Because that's how we were introduced and because the idea is he's this like businessman, I really thought, you know, if you think about like, you know, Joseph Campbell story circle kind of stuff, I really thought like master of two worlds, he was going to have to use his business acumen to get the ability. Yeah. Like this is his, this is his actual superpower. This is what he's good at. He's a salesman. He should have to use that to get people to sell the toy or he should find that the skills that he usually counts on aren't going to work in this situation. But it's just sort of none of that ever comes into play. It really has nothing to do with it. And I just I was a little disappointed by that. I felt like that's, you know, this is pretty by the numbers Christmas movie, you know, stuff. And like you, you really want. Or like. Again, if you think about Elf, which I think might be the greatest like Christmas movie of our lifetime to come out, it's just perfect. It's so great to rewatch. It's Elf just classic. is really great. Yeah, and again, I say of our lifetime. There's some classics that came out I think before, <laughs> like we were born. But uh, but Elf is a great. Christmas stories in our lifetime, so I might give that the nod. I, I like Elf better, but that's that's fair. I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's it's clear cut. Yeah. one way or the other. But, but point being, like, if you think about that movie, like James Caan's work is constantly still getting in the way. You know, like you. No, right. we're gonna. Yeah, I need the pitch on Christmas Eve, and then he has to say, like, you need that moment where he like actively chooses his kid. Oh, and I think that kind of gets to what I think actually is the real, the biggest issue with this, which is like. I think that they had a lot of set pieces in mind. We're going to have this parade. We're going to have a big warehouse full of Santas. We're going to have um, the store, you know, just a, a store where, where chaos happens. Right. We're going to have the diner. We're going to have yeah. but it's like the they radio thought, station. So it was all locations, but like there's no there's no reason to care about anything. There's no real actual story to grab onto. Like Arnold doesn't feel like he grows or changes. Like it doesn't yeah. feel Other like than the perpetual quest for the doll. There really isn't any narrative thrust to anything they're doing. Right. So it's very plot driven instead of any kind of emotion. And I think especially with Christmas movies, you kind of want that like emotional core, you know, like again, do you, why, why is he a businessman? Like the, the, Playbook is pretty simple. Businessman learns uh, to the families. Christmas. 
yeah, the the true meaning of Christmas was it. I do love in this movie. This is the most capitalism. He learns the true meaning of Christmas buying merchandise for your child. <laughs> like it's still very capitalistic. Like in its messaging, it's not Speaking even like. Speaking of that, did you stick around for the and the post credit scene? Obviously, I stuck around for the post credit scene, Andy, where they were also very optimistically teeing up the sequel. A sequel that got made, but starred none of the original cast. Starred Larry the Cable Guy. Do they actually make, you know, I didn't look into that. Like, is the sequel with Larry Cable Guy what they would have done? Did they actually make, like, the Arnold plan? Because, like, so anyway, yeah, the the teaser, just if people don't know, he goes through the whole thing with the kid, and then it's Rita Wilson being like, you know, I have to say, if you went through all of that for our kid... Can't wait to see what you got me for Christmas. Uh-huh. Yeah, he basically like mugs directly into the camera of, to make it clear he has not bought his wife a gift. I think this is a good segue to talk about the one and only Rita Wilson. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Marriage to Tom Hanks or her uh, role as Fraser's mom on the sitcom Fraser? I mean, all of those are good choices. I love Rita Wilson. I think she's a fantastic actress. She raps so charming. Man, is her character awful in this movie. Yeah, it's an utter waste of of so many people. I think most people in this movie are wasted, but her maybe most specifically. Yeah, just because like her character is such a tropey, stereotypical, uncreative, sexist, shrew wife trope. Yeah, but even like with all of that, which I think all is true is also still just like, like she also kind of feels robotic. Like she, yeah. she, she feels like that she doesn't exist in the scenes. Like I would not be surprised if when she's not, when we're not watching her, if she just wasn't just like staring at a wall, like waiting just for like a the, stimulus. Uh, people on the outskirts of town in WandaVision. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what she, she feels like a, a character on the, yeah. Like trying to like as far away from Wanda's bubble in WandaVision. Yeah, she does not feel like a character that has interiority. She's just there to nag her husband and to... Because he, he should have a wife. He shouldn't be a single dad in all this. Yeah, and also I guess to be oblivious to the fact that Phil Hartman is trying to sleep with her until he's like, hey, I'm trying to have sex with you. And then she freaks out. It's like, what if we just do it right here in the car while we, our kids go watch the parade? And she's like, do what? Anal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's on the list of wasted actors in this movie. Um, Phil Hartman, I think, has some really great moments, but he feels wasted too because it's like it, it works, but Phil Hartman is ca- like especially of this character, he's the terrible neighbor that he hates that is trying to sleep with his wife. Go 10 times as big as you did in this. Phil Hartman is certainly capable of being oh, that you guy. Oh, um, yeah. Lionel Hutz, Troy McClure. Hell, go Bill McNeil. Yeah, exactly. There. Yeah, like, I want him to be... I want there to be nothing likable about that guy. Like, I want him to just be the worst person that and has ever existed. Phil Hartman could absolutely pull that off. Yeah, no, and that's... and Like, I love Phil Hartman dearly, and yeah, like, he he is capable of playing truly terrible characters. He's one of the all-time great comedic actors, and I will stand by that. Yeah, and especially because, like, he can play those characters, and he doesn't... 
have to do anything to re- like he kind of like um jason manzoukas has this quality too and i really love actors like this where it's like they don't do anything to make you like them you just like them like there's nothing they're not anti-heroes there isn't like a moment where they learn a lesson they just act terrible the whole time and they're so funny at it that you love it right but i mean that's entirely jason manzoukas's rafi on the league yeah is just a monster. It's yeah. Phil Hartman in almost everything he does. No money down. <laughs> yeah, Lionel <laughs> works Hutt's. on contingency. <laughs> yeah, Lionel Hutt's one of the greatest characters to ever exist. But no, Phil Hartman's amazing. Um, like, all right, I didn't go to law school, but there was an episode of Matlock on in the bar last night. <laughs> the sound was off, but I think I got the gist. Yeah, what is the two? Which is unbreakable. <laughs> Just a contract Webster defines an agreement between two parties, which is unbreakable. <laughs> no, Hutz is the oh, best. Oh, is that what you think? <laughs> You'll be amazed to find out that I'm not wearing a tie at all. <laughs> no, can we just talk about Lionel Hutz? I oh, love the I episode. Can talk about Lionel. Let's just do a Lionel Hutz spinoff podcast. Okay, yeah, where we just we talk about every episode and then when we're done we start over at the beginning. I think my favorite one is the one where he babysits. The like Thelma and Louise episode. <laughs> Say hello to Miguel Sanchez. <laughs> Anyways, back to uh back to this movie. Um Yeah, I mean I think this movie was never going to get good critic reviews. Yeah, but I it could have been the best version of this movie possible, and it still wasn't going to garner great reviews. Yeah, but I think that's a cop out, and because we've talked about that in other things. But I'm like, I, this didn't get good any reviews. Like, no, this nobody, was nobody universally liked this. panned. Yeah, nobody liked this movie when it came but out. I, so. I, I'm more saying like this probably had a critical ceiling of like 50. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the kind of movie that's meant to be crowd pleasing, and and critics are not going to like. But like, yeah, I don't think the crowd liked it either. And I, like I said, I think some of that is the just. Uh, it kind of lacks the heart. It sort of lacks any kind of like deeper emotional story. It's just a series of things like so it really like you really have boiled down Christmas maybe to its truest form. It, of, it could be the most distilled version of Christmas that yeah, exists. It's, it's just about soullessly obtaining merchandise to give to your child to momentarily make them happy before they move on to something else. That's what Christmas is. I mean, in in the 20th and 21st century. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not wrong, you know, no. but uh, which also just makes me think of the man, the, like this whole movie is basically a really long version of the opening scene from the movie Krampus, which is great. But like, yes. but yeah, uh, the, the, just um, and that's the thing is like, I think you hit the nail on the head is that it doesn't have the character driven stuff to make you care about all of the set pieces and things that are happening. Yeah, and it and Arnold could have done that. They just didn't write it. Like there need there needed to be more of like a an an actual emotional arc where he sort of again like, there should have been a moment where he chooses his kid over his business. There's some kind of mattress emergency. Oh my god! There's like all the mattresses are backed up, and you know, uh, oh my god, the, man. <sighs> Where was that? Like, why did no one call me when I was 15 and they were making this movie? Sinbad worked for the post office. He could have figured out what Arnold's business was and somehow jammed up all the mattress sales to all the deliveries, all the mattress deliveries so that they weren't going out. So then there was an emergency where he had to go back to the because he figures out you work for this mattress place. I can make some calls to my post office buddies. We're going to screw up all your deliveries so no one will get them. Now. 
then his secretary's like, oh my God, you got to get in here and fix this. And then he decides, no, I'm going to get this toy for Jake Lloyd. That's what it needed. It needed like that. And it, it, needed, it did need something like that. It, it, it needed, I think it needed Sinbad to be more of a villain and less of just competition. Well, Sinbad's is, let's talk about him and then we can probably pivot after this, but like, yeah, it's a weird character. Like I, I really couldn't, like I said, he really just feels like an agent of chaos. There's, there's no evidence that he really has a child. He keeps saying that he does, but we never see his kid. Um, he, yeah, like, so that, yeah. The other thing too is that the, the template for this movie for the two of them should have been something like planes, trains, and automobiles where like they start out, they, they're both trying to do the same thing, but they're at odds with each other. And then by the end this annoying guy that's that felt like the obstacle, the John Candy character, which is Sinbad, you actually realize that you deeply care about him. And, you know, in planes, trains and automobiles, it's that his wife is dead and he actually has nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. So Steve Martin invites him to his family. But you needed some kind of like either like a tragic thing or something or like they needed to like each other by the end. But like that's the arc is like something like that. These like odd couple buddy comedy. We start out at odds and then we end up working together or something like that. But no, this guy's just he's pretty terrible all the time. He at one point uh, well, at multiple points makes bomb threats to people. And then in a weird bit of comedy. One of the bombs turns out to be a bomb. The most timid bomb in the history of bombs. But yeah, yeah it definitely like Wiley Coyote, you know, one guy's face. Because. And like they could have dropped a lot of the Robert Conrad stuff who plays the cop that gets Wiley Coyote throughout the movie. Well, and just giving those gags to Sinbad. Well, especially because the there's no satisfying resolution to that because it doesn't really make sense because he's just this cop that Arnold keeps accidentally crossing paths with and and do you know hurt basically injuring him in some way he spills coffee in his face like he damages breaks his, his hands and the, the or blows his hands blow up from the bomb yeah and- all this stuff but like then in the end he just realized well, he realizes that it's him dressed as turbo man and just lets him go just because because yeah. it's time to end the movie. Yeah, you could have cut that character completely. I don't think he really added anything. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the one last thing that. Like this toy company, this parade company built a, a GD super suit that worked. Yeah, a jetpack that like he got, which is interesting, too, because I don't know if, how much you've tracked this. This is another weird thing that's actually, again, time is a flat circle really happening in Los Angeles is that there is some guy with a jetpack that keeps getting spotted around, uh, I think around LAX, but like the rock who? Yeah. Yeah. But basically this is now we've now all these years later fulfilled the promise, but yeah, essentially, well, that's the thing too. The reason that, that Arnold's character stumbles into getting to be turbo man is because I think the last turbo man died. Like they're like, yes, died in a horrific, uh, jetpack explosion. Yeah. Like the, and they're, cause they, they're like, Oh, thank God you're here. You know? And they're running through all that. But like, yeah, it's a functioning jetpack uh, that he does not have any training on. He also is really comfortable, like picking up his kid while flying this jetpack that he doesn't understand. And it like shoots bullets or like whatever discs and it does all the things the Turbo Man TV character does. Yeah. 
Um, I think this is going to be the point to pivot because I think this is simultaneously a bad thing about the movie, but also something that made me smile. Ooh. Is the episode of Turbo Man at the beginning. Okay. Uh, the fact that it featured Richard Mall, a.k.a. Uh, Nostradamus Bull uh, from Night Court, mm-hmm. who's great. Yep. Uh, Harvey Corman as the president of the United States, mm-hmm. who, when we talk about all-time great comedic actors. Yes. Yeah. Also, and very much, I think Phil Hartman very much cut from the Harvey Corman mold. I would agree with that, yeah. like the- They're very, like... Both able to play despicable characters to a great and not care that they're playing despicable characters and just play them to such great effect. Yep. Um, and then Lorraine Newman, who's delightful and an underrated SNL cast member in that opening scene. Yes. And he wasted a bunch of really great people in a kind of fun, dumb scene. Um, but that was like it made me smile and they could have used them better. Yeah. Um, I would agree with all of that. Like, uh, yeah, it really fu- like it's fun to have that moment, especially now, like as an adult watching it to be like, oh, those people, I love all of them. But yeah, they don't really have much to do. It's it's yeah, it's sort of just like a vague parody of of Power Rangers, which would right. have existed. And at Harvey the time. Corman making his second appearance on the pod. Oh, that's true. And too. the second one in December. Yeah. yeah. By the way, can I this has nothing to do with this episode, but I learned this recently and I want if other people don't know, I'm this is a public service I'm going to provide. If you've watched the television show Hacks, which I highly recommend that you do because it's great uh, with Gene Smart, the other person in that show is Hannah Einbinder, uh, who plays the younger uh, comedian who uh, goes to write for Gene Smart's character. I had absolutely no idea that she is Lorraine Newman's daughter until fairly recently, and that blew my oh, wow. mind. Yeah, so you didn't know that, right? Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah that's great. I don't think that's common knowledge, and I, I think like that's really fascinating to me, but yeah. Uh, Hannah Einbinder is Larry Newman's daughter. So I'm just, that's just, like I said, that's just knowledge. I think that's that worth I'm, putting out there into the world for yeah, people Yeah, because I don't, don't think know. it's like for some if reason. you know, you know. Yeah, I don't think it gets talked about. And I'm like, it should be talked about. That's pretty wild. And then Wait, like. Larry Newman is hilarious. Well, that's the thing is, I think once you know it, then you're like, I can see that. Like you can like, I don't think they're terribly similar. But if you've seen Hannah Einbinder's stand up or anything, you're like, I could see how you're Larry Newman's child. Like, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I just find that really interesting. So that, yeah, it's neither here nor there. But yeah. Um, so all those people showing up in that opening scene made me smile. Mm-hmm. The Santa fight I liked. The, it was yeah. dumb, but the it, big Santa brawl, that, that I liked. That was good. That. That's the exact kind of stuff you should be doing. It makes it. I, I thought that that was some of the best, like the smartest idea, like that. You know, there were these Santa, like the the whole idea of that I enjoyed, like that. There's this like underground, like black market bootleg toy ring run by a bunch of mall Santas. Yeah, that they use their mall Santa connection. They overhear, like it's really smart. They hear people uh, wanting toys that they haven't gotten and then they invite them to this warehouse to basically sell them janky bootleg Turbo Man action figures that speak Spanish and fall apart. El hombre del turbo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no, I thought that was a solid gag, too. I would agree with that. Uh, always happy. I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy... I've been watching a lot of uh, Seinfeld on Netflix, so the guy who plays Mickey, who's... Jimmy... Uh, uh, Danny Woodburn. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to see him playing an elf in this. Yes. Um, uh, and Jim Belushi showing up as the one mall Santa. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Jim Belushi. He's mm-hmm. in the movie. He is Paul in the White mo- playing the uh, the the mega the Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great. No, that yeah, I love the Big Show. 
Always yeah. a fan of the Big Show. Yeah, this is because this is like Paul White Big Show when he was he's still like the giant at this point. Yeah, he's like like new in WCW when this was. Right. Yeah, they were still like kind of just trademark infringing on Andre the Giant, like with right. Him. He was they're billing him as his son. Yeah, uh, which I also, if people don't know that, here's another aside. I'm not stalling because I don't know silver linings. These are important things that I need to share with you. Uh, no, I love the story of the big show that the WCW used to have uh, a training facility. I think it was called the power plant, if it, I remember. It was. And they would advertise it on Monday Nitro as like, you can be a WCW wrestler. And they would always say like, and we, you like real wrestlers have gone through the, it was such a, just like money-making scheme, like poor slapping our name onto this school to make money. But they would always say, that's how the big show got discovered. That's how Paul White got discovered was through the power plant. But the story is that man who is freakishly huge and looks the way that he does. He He's legit a giant. He's a huge man. If you've never seen yeah, him. Seven foot four legit. Yeah. Or seven, like seven, two or something like that. So he was a used car salesman who wanted to be a wrestler. He walked in to the power plant, like money in hand, like I would like to be trained here. And they made a call that day and were like, oh my God, you're never going to believe this. Like this dude, that's going to make us a ton of money. Just walked in. Like he had a contract on the spot. It wasn't like, but they always touted him as like the success story for their school. And it was like, no, this, you know, once in a lifetime like right and there were and to to be fair there were people that went through the power plant that did become reasonably successful wrestlers yeah i know it's it's just always it is like but to to tout the big show paul white the giant as he did it so can you no you can't yeah no i that's what i'm trying to say i just always found it really funny that he was the like guy be like him a a genetic like marvel (laughs) are you seven feet tall and 400 pounds but can do a backflip and has the wwe not yet discovered you then sign with us then i bet you we could make you a star (laughs) which i mean is not terribly different from andre the giant who just lived in the french alps and someone walked past him one day and was like you should be a professional wrestler. And he was like, right. It's that literally he was, tra- he was a rugby player training at a gym with other, the pro wrestlers came in. They're like, you need to do this. Yeah. Why are you not like, do you want to be rich and famous? <laughs> like, like, would you like to be one of the most recognizable human beings in the world? Yeah. Um, um, something I love and it. It's a sort of a tangential connection to all that we're talking about. Uh, so William Goldman, who wrote princess bride, mm-hmm. um, his dream casting when he wrote the book in the mid seventies for Fezzik was Andre the giant. Yeah. And when they were first attempting to make the movie, uh, it, he was too famous. It was like almost impossible. He was too busy with his wrestling schedule. So they were going to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, 10 years went by and they finally made the movie, but now Andre had enough free time that he could make the movie. So they got their dream cast anyway. Yeah. Which I think all worked out for the best. Yeah. I mean, Andre the Giant like that. You want to talk about people being born to play a role? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which uh, that's also fascinating to that story, because like I know Goldman like ended up buying back the right because it had been, that was one of those movies that was like in production hell for a long time. And he bought back the rights because he was like, no, like if you guys aren't going to make this, give it back to me. And he like basically, you know, gave them their money back to to get the rights. And then 
that's when Rob Reiner was like, I think we should make this together, you know? So, yeah. Um, I will say like we pointed out earlier in the podcast that you don't have the character as the driving force between all the set pieces. I think that being said as standalone, like kind of lame jokes, but fun or lame bits, but fun. Like, the Santa fight works. I think the reindeer chase through the house works. I when think he punched the reindeer in the face. I laughed. I look, yeah. I'm just like legit. That was funny to me. Like the, the way the reindeer took the punch, like it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a nice, cause like, uh, the kid ends up naming the reindeer after his dad. Cause Phil Hartman buys his kid a reindeer because he's super. In it. That's kind of the whole thing. Like he's he's re- really showing off how much he he's a sing again. He's a divorced dad, and he and he's like overcompensating by essentially spoiling his kid. Yeah, and, and but also then like playing house with Rita Wilson and like putting the star up on top of her tree and stuff. Like he's yeah, he's like really milking the the Christmas thing. But yeah, he gets his kid a, a legit reindeer. He also. Uh, bought his kid a Turbo Man months ago. Right. Yeah. Which um, I will say that's to me when I talk about like not having the heart in the I thought that that was a really smart instinct that I liked that because he says that early on and then Arnold sort of at this like lowest point. I, I've tried everything. I'm really failing. So he's and he sees Phil Hartman putting the star on top of the tree, like really like hitting on his wife. And he decides I'm going to break into this guy's house and I'm going to steal this toy. And then has this like, you know, sort of, you know, like he kind of, it it occurs to him like what he's doing. Like he's out the door with the toy and he's like, yeah, like this guy sucks. And yeah, I want my kid to be happy, but like, I'm stealing a toy from a child. (laughs) Like that's what's happening. And I thought that instinct was really good just as an isolated choice. I like that. I thought some of this stuff afterwards was kind of dumb, like when he gets caught. But but I think the the instinct there was was the right one of like this. Like, I think it needed more of that. Again, I needed more of like an actual emotional arc. But I, I like that he was so such in a low place that he was going to steal it. And then kind of like, because that's also almost like, that's how you want to differentiate him from Sinbad. Sinbad doesn't have a line. He will steal the toy from the kid in the end. And he tries to do it in broad daylight dressed as Dementor. Yeah. And like literally from the kid, not like from under the tree and the kid won't know what happened. Like rip it out of his hands, possibly murder a child. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I liked that. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's there's moments that are funny, um, just in general. Yeah, I, like yeah. I, th- I think like the beats work discreetly, but I think there's not enough connective tissue to cohesively make this an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I, I'll say it too. I think there's some good by you know, especially by '90s standards. I think there's some good filmmaking happening in the final scene in terms of like. You got a big parade. You have this jetpack. Like the jetpack is flying over the parade. Like you know the the in terms of like there there wasn't there's VFX in terms of like sometimes Arnold's in front of a like a blue screen or whatever a green screen. Right. But like a lot of it is practical. There's a real parade. There's a real camera kind of you know Arnold's perspective camera kind of flying over 
the the parade and some of the action stuff like I, I think it's a pretty big scale for the end. I don't know that I, I question some of the wisdom of what they're doing, but like just on a like spectacle, like set yeah. piece, it's it's impressive for 1996. And uh, Jackie Childs from Seinfeld shows up as one of the commentators on the parade and he was amusing. Yes. Yeah. And also the I, I kept trying to figure out who the other uh, she announcer. plays a best friend on on Caroline in the City, is it? She is, but she also, what I realized I recognized her from is she's in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where she's in a wheelchair and like Larry's dating her because it uh, makes him look like people think that he's a good person because he's dating that her. That sounds right. Yeah. So, but yeah, so there are the two announcers. Uh, yeah. So there's all of that. I don't know. I, I kind of liked... Um, I would, it's um, I guess I'm gonna mess up his name with the Night Court guy. But is it Martin Mull? Is that the name of the guy who's the the DJ? The radio? yes, Martin Mull, M U L L, as opposed yeah. to Richard Mall, M O L L. Yeah, I was like trying to keep them both straight in my mind. I was like, I mean, but I I enjoyed his cameo too. I, like, I like Martin Mull. I think yeah. he's also I, I like he's Gene Parmesan. I mean, what are you gonna do? Ah, I don't. I mean. I think we did it. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we jang- jangled. All we the definitely, way. we have, we have jangled. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm hoping is that now at the end that this is over and, and we're about to hit the, the credit music that you're all so angry <laughs> that you want to listen to it again and you can't well you can you can just start it over but you can't you can't listen to a new episode until next week and you're so angry silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on apple podcasts hear more great shows on the peak sloth podcast network like this one we have to ask it's a podcast where we answer the question are you going to eat that what will you leave behind why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloft Network at peaksloft.com. Peaksloft.